Welcome to Live at the Nut Bar. You're here with JB and David Cunningham. Can't remember what episode it is, but it must be getting up towards 30, JB. Yeah, yeah I reckon. I think it's 29, isn't it? Okay. Anyway, a few numbers to talk about today, I reckon. We had the monetary policy statement uh, today. So when you're listening to this, it's probably no longer on the day, but very interesting, actually. Um, so we're going to take a look at that, what it means for interest rates, why the Reserve Bank said what they did, and why the headlines are along the lines of when hawks fly. Yeah, yeah, well. And we're also going to talk about house prices, but this time we're going to bring a global perspective of what's been happening in markets like the UK, Australia, Ireland, Canada, US and New Zealand, because there's been some pretty big differences. So we sort of delve into why are things happening so differently in overseas property markets versus New Zealand. So first up, MPS. Sounds good. And look, I would like to say it's when you dress a wood pigeon to look like a hawk. Right. <laughs> so what are you saying? Is this using, using animal sort of uh, descriptions? Is the Reserve Bank crying wolf on this one then? Wow. Oh, look, I mean, we said, I think, even in last week's podcast that we expected them to hold the line and jawbone the market because they don't really want to see mortgage rates dropping anytime soon, right? We expected that. I guess our view going into this was there'd be no revision of their forward-looking forecast. Mm. They've actually been a little bit more aggressive than we would have thought. Yeah, I mean, they've raised their forward OCR forecast. Last time, that was the August monetary policy statement they had. The OCR being at 560, roughly, yeah, uh, going forward for the next uh, six months. Now it's 570 almost, 569, which implies a 75% probability of a hike. Of Really? Of how many basis points? Of, yeah, well, <laughs> 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Look, so what you would read into that, in my mind, is, is largely what we've been saying for a while, which is that the Reserve Bank's going to hold the line. Yeah. So they uh, couldn't be dovish, because if they were, no. wholesale markets go, woohoo, away we go, you know, interest rates but are falling. Re- re- remember, I mean, if we go back a year, this is the MPS where Governor Orr came out all hell and brimstone, right? Yeah, this yeah. time no- last, November last year, year you're right. yeah, he was like, right. I'm going to crash the economy into a recession. Mm. That's what he did last year before yeah. Christmas, right? And we all went away for Christmas, bloody, with our you know, head between our knees, bloody mm. crapping ourselves about what was coming. Mm. Mm. And, you know, he, he followed through and that we got a whole series of OCR increases post-Christmas. Well, we got um, 50 and then we got, the final no. one was 25 in May, yeah, so we did get a couple after that, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I think we're seeing the same thing again, which is he doesn't want Kiwis going away for Christmas mm. uh, with a view that rates are falling quickly mm. and for that to start to flow through into what banks are doing. Yeah. So we'd seen a half a percent fall in wholesale rates over the last six or eight weeks. That, uh, I haven't seen the numbers, but some of that had started to unwind even going into today. We're probably back to, I suspect, when we look at the numbers in the next few days, probably a quarter percent lower than where they were, you know, a month or so ago. Mm. Uh, Of course, in that time, we've seen TD rates go up. We've seen mortgage rates actually go up. So, you know, (laughs) the tightening that's happening even without the Reserve Bank doing anything. And so what we're going to have is rates sitting here right through till probably, you know, February. Now the next monetary policy statement is February. So we're just going to go away for summer. Interest rates aren't going anywhere. Deposit rates aren't going anywhere. It's a pretty steady state. And um, if you're buying or selling, you know, you've got a bit of predictability for the next six months, I guess. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, look, that's the thing from, from my perspective. You're going to get a bit of volatility there. We were debating whether rates had come back too far. Mm. I mean, they were responding to the data that they'd seen, you know, the weak economic data. I guess we'll sort of start to see how things flow early next year. Yeah, you yeah, know, so I, I stand back and go, you know, it's a bit of a cry wolf. Things could get worse on the inflationary front. Well, every indicator is pointing to the opposite, you know, both New Zealand and globally. But they had to say something hawkish to avoid the market undoing their, their work. Well, let, let's face so, it. you know, it's a pretty clever approach, I think, by the governor and the Monetary Policy Committee. Well, we were always going to see that, and we've been saying it. You know, they're going to be like, nah, nothing's changing, nothing's changed. Oh, shit, we're in recession. Yeah. You know, off we go. But hey, look, all the data's weak. Mm, um, mm, and it's still mm, weak. Nothing's mm. really changed. Like, um, I heard something on the radio this morning or yesterday weak sales again um, mm. with uh, whatever they call it, Black, Black Friday. Black Friday. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty weak, right? And mm. I mean, everyone out there on the street can see it, feel mm. it. Mm. Um, so as an advisor, are you still seeing a lot of customers feeling a lot of pain or you know, what's the mood amongst customers that you're dealing with at the moment? Not a lot of pain, but um, you're definitely seeing a lot of belt tightening out there, right? Yeah, you know, people... and that's seeing people cut back on their spending or, or certainly Prices are up, so cut back on the volume of what they're getting for their money and, and that. You definitely get yeah. that feeling out there. I mean, look, let's just face it. I filled up my car with gas this morning. It was $180. Yeah. That's insane. Prices have come down there too. <laughs> hey, um, okay, so hey, should we move on to house prices globally and you know reflect on why some quite different experiences? Yeah. Good? Yeah, okay, so another live at the nut bar of two halves. So this one, what I did was dug out, well, actually, this backstory to this was JB was sort of mentioning to me that US house prices haven't fallen. They've just continued to rise. So the big rise in interest rates has had no impact on the US housing market. Yeah. Whereas in New Zealand, obviously, we've had, you know, a massive rise in house prices and then, a, you know, 20%, up to 20% fall from the peak. And we were sort of talking about why. So I went and got some stats from the OECD, so very reliable sort of source, obviously. And um, basically, I went back eight years to uh, 2015 and just said, well, if everything was 100 at that point, let's benchmark that and see where house prices have gone since then. So, you know, here's, I guess, a summary of what's happened in that time frame. So in New Zealand, in fact, all the world over, prices just gradually increased right through till COVID. When COVID hit, so they're all much of a muchness in terms of prices the world over and houses um, were broadly going in the same direction. And then COVID hit, in New Zealand interest rates got slashed, as they were in the whole world, but in New Zealand house prices rose 50% inside about one and a half years. In other parts of the world, most notable were Canada and the USA, where house price rises accelerated. They rose maybe 35%. Places like Ireland, Prices rose, not quite as much. Uh, Australia, they rose, not as much. But what's happened since then is the key. So New Zealand prices have fallen about as much as 20%. US prices are higher. They haven't paused at all. Canada are down a bit, but now trending up. And in the next few months, they'll probably be back above their previous peak. Ireland didn't miss a beat. It's gone higher every month. Britain, pretty much ditto, a bit of a pause, but back where they were in Australia, prices have just passed their previous peak. So effectively, in every market but New Zealand, prices are at or above their previous peak. But in New Zealand, they're down 20. What's the reason for that, JB? Where should we start? Pick a country, maybe. Yeah, well, New Zealand, wood pigeon. (laughs) Okay, so why did New Zealand prices rise so much more than the rest of the world and then come back down? Maybe it's worth just um, touching on maybe some of the other markets 
fair. So, so I think the primary driver here is two things. One is interest rates, right? And I think yep. the correlation between house prices and interest rates has never been clearer because... Is that the world over or just New Zealand? World over. Okay. The correlation between interest rates and house prices, which is a logical correlation, mm. because effectively what we're saying is people can afford a certain percentage of their income that they can put towards mortgage repayments. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the end of the day, uh, interest rates is gonna drive what those repayments are, mm. and therefore interest rates are by definition gonna- Is that even despite banks using much higher test rates, that still has a big influence? Well, that's a, that's a secondary argument, right, which is credit conditions. So okay. what's a bank's appetite? But, you know, if you take servicing rates, servicing rates are largely tied to interest rates. So, mm -hmm. yes, servicing rates are very high at the moment because interest rates are really high. Yeah. If you think about at the bottom of the interest rate cycle, banks were testing mortgages at 5.5%. Mm. Know, yes, we were paying 2 mm. um, They were testing at 55 So I think... Yes, credit appetite. Most of that credit appetite is actually driven by affordability, which is fundamentally driven by interest rates. So, um, very, so very that's why the world over had a big rise in um, property prices. New Zealand had more than anyone, but um, I mean, I guess did our interest rates fall more than others? Why, well, why, why did we get more still than anywhere else? So there's lags and stuff and all of this. But I wrote in a post on this a number of years ago. I'd have to go and dig it up somewhere on the website, where the massive increase in New Zealand house prices in the last 30 years could largely be explained by a falling interest rate environment. Mm. Because mm. if you went back sort of 30 years ago. You know, Kiwis were paying 10 to 12 percent type interest rates. I think there was a period there where it was even higher than that. But you know, interest rates were really high. And then over time, as reserve banks sort of started to focus on a lot more on inflation, reduced inflation, got that under control, so it was sort of hovering around that one to two percent mark. Interest rates were falling, and then that was translating through to house prices, sometimes very slowly because mm. economies were in recessions or not very good, sometimes very fast, right? Now, we talked about this before. We had a bit of a boom in that sort of post-COVID period where business was going well, but at the same time, we had incredibly low interest rates. Mm. And uh, combination you supply too was supply factor there too because yeah. you got this FOMO thing, you know, I've missed 15 times, so I'll offer over the odds, and so it sort of became self fulfilling. Well, one also the working from home thing, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. there was a lot of factors that played into that, but it was fundamentally fueled by low interest rates. Mm. Now, for context, New Zealand interest rates fell further. Yeah. Um, right. And so. And so, and then have risen far further as and, well. And have risen further as further well. Further and so. faster. New Zealand was the first country, I think, to tighten and got to pretty much the highest. Um, yeah. In fact, the highest. I yeah. Think, yeah. And uh, so, if you think about it in a New Zealand context, you know, you don't have to go back that far where Kiwis would have thought historically, you know, 5.5% interest rate, wow, that's pretty mm. good. Mm. I remember with my team. Mm. saying that if a mortgage rate falls below, I think I said 3.99, I'll eat my undies. <laughs> now, um, you ate your undies then. Uh, well, there was a time thing that I think I pulled out that sort of said I didn't have to eat my undies. But, oh, um, okay. but next but, time, make sure you sort of offer yeah, yeah, eat, yeah, yeah, yeah. undies. <laughs> but you know, then it was like, hey, well, 299 shit rates are never going to go below that. And then, of course, they got lower, yeah, so right? 199. 199. 
But look, in the New Zealand context, it just shows you that rates were so far below what Kiwis were probably conditioned for yeah. that you saw that response in yeah. house prices yeah. combined with all the other factors. So basically we had that massive up and then actually a down back to, to be honest, it looks like we're back on trend now. So we overcorrected one way, overcorrected the other way. So let's turn to Australia then because it's just surpassed the previous peak. So what's been different there? Because we're quite similar markets. What's been different there that they didn't rise as far but didn't fall much at all and now we're above previous highs. What's different in Oz? Well I think the big thing is that interest rates uh, didn't climb nearly as fast there. Their reserve bank didn't jawbone the market. Yeah yeah in fact they've only just lifted their OCR equivalent uh, to 4.35 so it's still 1.15 lower than the reserve bank. So got as low but hasn't risen as far or as fast. Yeah, absolutely. And then combine that with uh, stronger levels of higher quality immigration and a more robust economy off the back of a resources boom. Mm. And, you know, Australia kind of skipped that recession, right? Yeah, I guess that resources piece has sustained the economy. So, you know, we might be in technical recession, but others others not. Hey, so let's, that's Australia. Let's turn to the US. The US just hasn't paused. Their um, house prices have just continued to rise. Yeah, and they had that massive correction that flowed through you know sort of around the GFC yeah yeah so 15 years ago they had their big fall they had their big fall yeah and it, the funny thing is you would say with the US market you've got to be very careful calling it one market because it's just so many different markets right so you mean like each state or city or well even cities right yeah. they, like San Francisco behaves very differently to the rest of the country. And if you go down to the southern states, places like Houston and stuff, very different again, right? Uh, All based on, you know, population growth, land scarcity, you name it. It's a microcosm of the world. Um, But but the the fundamental in the US that I think is really, really interesting is that they, of course, have 30, 40 year Fixed fixed rates. rate mortgages. Yeah. So so how does that work? So if I got a mortgage like two years ago, what would my thirty year fixed rate have been? Like just give me a ballpark. Before the rate rises yeah. two point nine. Two point nine and today it's what, roughly? Seven to eight. Seven to eight. So I've got my two point nine for the next thirty years and the person that's buying today has got seven point nine for the next thirty years. Yes. But those people can prepay it, right? And just give the money back, no penalties, right? Is that right? Oh, the ones on 2.9? Yeah, or the ones on 7.9 as well. Yes. So, you know, so if I'm on 2.9, I want to hold on to it for dear life. I don't want to move yeah. house because you can't, can't take your loan with you over there either, can you? Well, that's the thing, right? So, so, you, so your stunt housing turnover, if everyone's got a low interest rate, geez, I'm not selling because if I do, I'll lose this really attractive rate of my loan and the new rate's, you know, 7 or 8%. Yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit. So Apple came out with a savings account that's paying, can't remember the rate, but close to 5%, I think, right? And all of the banks in the US aren't doing that. They're not competing on savings accounts Mm. because they can't. Because they've got these fixed rate mortgage books where they're only receiving off the borrower, you know, sort of 2%. So how does that whole dynamic then play into why US house prices have kept rising? Is it? I don't quite get it. Well, yeah. So so the issue in the US, and this is a big issue for them at the moment, is they've got two really interesting issues. The first issue is for banks generally. Banks are losing money, right? Banks are losing money, like slowly, but lots of it, because they're lending out still to the vast majority of their home loan borrowers at 2.9%, Yeah. and they're having to pay for deposits at rates 
well over that. Yeah. You know, so so banks aren't in a good shape and this has been playing out in the US. Yeah, so that was market. the story behind Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. Failing yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah, part, yeah, yeah. Part of the story, right? Part yeah. of the story. And yeah. the interesting thing is that's going to play out slowly over a long period of time. It's not a I mean, you had some instances there where banks were going under or looked like they could go under. Um, and that's kind of dissipated now in the US, but there's still this fundamental long-term issue that these banks, these retail banks are incredibly unprofitable and that's not gonna change anytime soon. So there's there's inherent risk in retail banking in the US market. Now that, that's a different story, right? We're, we're talking about borrowers. Now the problem that you've got is it's, it's basically that market is totally illiquid. Existing homeowners will not sell. They do not want to move because if they move, they're going to mm. lose their low interest rate. Mm. Mm. They're going to pay five percent more on. You know, they're going to be thousand. borrowing yeah, a very crazy. high yeah. interest rate. So you've got a whole part of the market that's not for sale in terms yeah. of homes because of that. And then the people that you know do want to buy can't afford, right? Because the interest rates so are so high, high yeah. that they can't afford to get into the market. So what they're sort of saying in the US now is that essentially first home buyers are getting totally priced out of that market. Right, so no first home buyers, no sellers. So what's, why is prices still rising then? I don't, still don't get it really, is it? <laughs> it's just a frozen market. Okay. It's literally a frozen market. You'll gradually get house prices increasing just because of things like mm. inflation, mm. right? Mm. But what you would have expected to occur in the US is when those interest rates shot up as much as they did, you would have expected to see a big correction and it mm. just didn't happen. No, no, yeah. I mean, like you've had in New Zealand, a bit in Australia, a bit in yep. Canada. But, you know, looking at the stats from the OECD, the US, Ireland and the UK, these, you know, they paused, but they didn't sort of... These graphs, I think we need to get these graphs up to the website as yeah. a blog post because yeah. these are fascinating graphs. I've been looking for ages. But look, the, the nominal house price one's really interesting. What it highlights is that New Zealand's had the biggest correction. I think we sort of knew that, but it, it's really quite obvious when you look at these graphs. What's more interesting for me is the real house prices because that's the one that I'm fascinated by mm. because you know yes we've had a 20% nominal change in house prices what's more interesting to me is what happening with real house prices mm. because there's been a lot of underlying inflation over that period as well right and I think what you sort of hinted to earlier is that real house prices are now I would argue sort of get hitting below trend yeah, 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 yeah. We should get these up. I mean, there's a blog post coming on this, so watch out for that. Yeah, we could go on all day, but I think we've sort of covered those highlights of New Zealand's done its thing. Australia's got a bit of a different story. US, a very different story. And hey, we'll, we'll tell the story via a blog post in the next little while. Um, anything else you want to cover off before we close up, JB? Uh, I reckon uh, that's done it for today. a week. Yeah, yeah. So some interesting stuff there, and we will catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.